Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibbyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
I loved interviewing Allison Trowbridge, who has become a good friend in a very short period of time. She is the founder of Copper Books, which you should definitely check out. I actually invested in Copper because I thought it was so cool. It's an app called Copper Books, and Allie is an author as well. So her official bio, Allison Trowbridge, is the author of 22, Letters to a Young Woman Searching for Meaning. She is the founder and CEO of Copper Books, the social app for book lovers, helping authors and readers build community around books. She published her first book, 22, in 2017 with HarperCollins while completing her MBA at the University of Oxford. Allison fell in love with the publishing world after witnessing a handful of books ignite the global anti-slavery movement where she worked for nearly 10 years, leading marketing, fundraising, and international campaigns at the Freedom Fund, Not for Sale, and as a partner at an impact investment fund, Just Business. So check out Allie, listen to our really fun conversation, and definitely go download the Copper Books app. Welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your book and our mutual lucky number. 22 letters 22 to, <laughs> letters to a young woman searching for meaning. Oh, Zibby, I'm so thrilled we're doing this. Any excuse to get to spend time with you is a huge win for me. And we really do share the same lucky number. Amazing. Hence our table at the restaurant, table 44. Hence double yes, 22. Exactly. We got double 22. We're the double 22. And in your book, then there's actually a sad reason at the end of why it's called 22 and what happens at age 22. And oh my gosh, by the I was like, I, I it gave me the chills. Anyway, oh, Sibby, I am so good. And it's so funny. I'm just going to say this, even though we're on podcast, because we, I feel like we've become friendly and gotten to know each other. But this yeah. is like a deep dive into you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> she is just as nice as she appears. There is, oh. do you know what I mean? Like, like when you see into someone's soul, like all my instincts about you were right, but it's so, so nice to see it like literally in print that like you are really this awesome, special person deep down Aww. to your core. So it's really exciting. <laughs> oh, Zebby, thank you. I'm, I, it just means the world to me that you've read the book. I'm, no, not I'm to so mention, grateful. by the way, you're such a good writer. I circled so many like phrases and sentences and, oh my gosh. And I've been thinking about a lot of these things. Anyway, I'm going to read a bunch of the stuff because even some of the quotes from other people that I didn't even know. So anyway, I'm going to jump into it. But before I do that, I want you to explain to listeners what 22 is about. I'm going to let you talk about Copper Books, which we're both so excited about, and you're doing such a great job leading. And by the way, knowing what you're doing now and everything and hearing how you felt about it when you wrote this was so cool. So anyway, Ah, Allie, what's your book about? <laughs> I love it so much. It's it's this is like such a meta conversation on so yes. many levels. So 22 is the book that honestly I wished I had when I was in my early 20s. When I was graduating from college, I pulled an all-nighter with one of my best friends and just, you know, one of those kind of looking at the stars, processing the meaning of life. And and back then I said, I wish there was a book that kind of spoke to this season of transition and gave that mentorship and guidance that I, I feel like we're kind of launching off the, like life has been charted and planned for us year on year. And suddenly we're launching off the edge of a cliff and there's, there's no playbook anymore. And so I, at the time I said, whatever I do career-wise someday, I know I have to write that book. And it sat with me for seven years where I just, I, I kept saying at the right time, I know I have to write that book. And did you always know you wanted to do it as a letter to Ash? And Ash is totally fictitious. Right? She is. Yeah. Yeah. 
that was actually, I was jet lagged on a business trip and I woke up at, I don't know, 5am. It was before the sun rose. I sat up in bed in, in London. And it was like, I, it was like, I suddenly saw how the book was going to work. I realized that I had thought that I was going to write something that was a little more prescriptive of like, here's the guidance and the life advice. And it was just this, like, I don't know. It's just this flood of like, oh my gosh, I see it. It has to be a relationship. We don't learn through being told. We learn through story. And, and so that's where I realized, okay, I need to be writing to a character as she's going through college. There's 22 letters in total. Cause there's one every other month. And then you don't read her response because I wanted the reader to feel like it was written to them and that whoever you are reading the book, that you're almost inserting yourself into the story and becoming the main character. Amazing. But it is still you and all the things that you share are not suspicious at all. Correct. That is all, all all very, (laughs) very true to life. Yes. And I was like militant about making sure everything was correct and timing and, and all of it. Wow. And I liked how you divided it too by like freshman, sophomore, junior, you know, like into the season life and how we just kept like going along for this ride. There was one thing that I I literally have not stopped thinking about with this whole, this was towards the beginning, but it was the body talk section. And you were were talking to Ash, but this is basically you saying about your own relationship with your body. And you say in there, you said, can I just read this? Is that okay? Yeah, please. I love my body and I resent my body all at once. It's the border between my soul and the world. It keeps me both protected and trapped. It defines me, confines me. It empowers me, devours me. It has limits. It breaks down. It allows me to dance in the redwoods and to jump into waves and to paint. My mind cannot control or shape my body's natural form. It grows and ages outside my command, programmed by some pre-ordered DNA that nothing can override. And yet, it's mine and no one else's. It's the only one I've got and the only one I'll ever have, this side of heaven at least. And you go on to say, I can't take my body back, but I can tend to it. My mind is a gardener to this wild, messy, beautiful plot of land we call our being. I can feed it and care for it and even decorate it. And that's really half the fun, the decoration. But so many young women, myself included, focus too much energy on trying to look like someone else when all we can and should be is the healthiest, most vibrant versions of the physical selves we've been giving. And then at the end of this passage, you say, I suppose that's part of the wonder of bodies, their absolute undeniable frailty. One day they will up and quit and there's nothing we can do when that final moment comes. We can spend our whole lives running from a certain end or we can welcome it for the promise of an end is the very thing that proves we are alive. Mm. Oh. <laughs> right. So good. It's, it's soulful and beautiful and it's true. It's like we're just in like the shrink wrap versions of ourselves. Totally. Totally. And, and when you, when you step outside of yourself in that way, you can be gentle with yourself. We can stop being so hard. Uh, Like I almost see our souls as like, we're here to tend to these bodies that we've, we've been given. And so then it's like, how do I take care of Allie? Well, how do you take care of Zibby? Well, what does it look like for Zibby to flourish? What does Zibby at her best feel like? And then how do, how do we care and tend towards that. And there's this, this quote in the book that I referenced, I think in that chapter that says that, you know, only the like things that are alive, the very nature of them having an ending is what makes them beautiful. And that's why we're unmoved by artificial flowers. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's so true. This is why it's been a fortune decorating the house with flowers every week, even though they'll die. It's because it's the aliveness and the 
the limited nature of something's aliveness that makes it so spectacular. Unbelievable. I love it. You have this whole thing about comparing yourself to other people. And you said spending your days trying to be someone else is like being an actor who only ever auditions to play the understudy. You may have a moment to shine, but likely not. If the understudy is your only aspiration, you will probably spend your whole career rehearsing for the mirror. And you, my darling, are a leading lady. (laughs) I love that. I love it. I'm telling you, I have like a thousand of these. I can't spend the whole podcast talking about it. But just the way you sort of reframe life is is just so cool. Oh, even the way you talked about depression. I felt something I'd never experienced in my short life, depression. My body was so heavy, my mind so dull that it took everything in me to climb out of bed in the morning or at noon. I had moved to a new house with girls I liked a lot but didn't know well, and I slid into a sticky, bitter lump of loneliness. Beautiful. It's so interesting, Zibby, because I wrote that book in a season where I was in a pretty dark place. And it just kind of was how it worked out timing of getting the book deal. And I think because I was in such a difficult, heavy season, it actually allowed me to tap into places of of creativity and, and expression that I think aren't available to us when life is just thriving and going great. And so I always feel like that's kind of the invitation of difficult seasons of life is like, how do we, how does it allow you to kind of open doors that you wouldn't otherwise open in yourself? Interesting. You included a lot about the sexual abuse of your mother, which I have, don't Mm -hmm. think I can remember reading too much about from anyone else. I'm trying to think now. I'm sorry if I just offended an author who that happened to them as well. But regardless, you talk about a scene where your mom in middle school was invited to a friend's house. Well, do you want to tell it? Or do you? Yeah. Yeah. She was, yeah, she was 14 and some of the cool girls invited her to come over after school and then told her to go out into the backyard. And there was another one of her classmates waiting out in a, in, in a shed out there and raped her. And, and then that happened again, she was date raped in, in college as well. And so she told me that story when I was that same age and it just left a indelible mark on me and actually was the, I spent a decade of my, my early career working in anti-trafficking. And it really stemmed from that of feeling incapable of caring for my mom or having, I mean, there was no way that I could have protected her, but because I couldn't, it was like, well, how can I use that pain in our family to do some, you know, some good on the most extreme version of that. And I saw that as being actual sexual trafficking and and further abuse. So yeah, it was really part of my career origin story was her telling me that at a young age. And when you asked her what would have happened if she had gotten pregnant, she said she would have killed herself. Mm -hmm. And I think about everything that's going on today with restrictions on abortion and all this stuff. And anyway, it's crazy. It was interesting too, because I wrote the section of, of that book on a writing retreat and I, I wrote it and then I was like, this is, this is too heavy. This is too much. I'm sure my editor will cut this. It's, and then the editor was like, I think we should keep it. And so it was a really, just a really kind of meaningful moment to to share it with my mom and say, this is, this is your story to tell. It's not my story. Do you want me to take this out? Do you want me to change? You know, I can, can just refer to a general family member. I want 
you to have full agency over this. And and she sat with it and was like, if it helps one other person, I want, I want you to tell the story. And it, it took a lot of courage for, for her to tell that and to share her story through, through the book. And so I'm just so proud of her because I think it's, yeah, it's a, a huge act of courage to, to share something so deeply, deeply personal. What did was did anything happen as a result? I know this book came out a little bit ago. Did she get any feedback or like responses or did you about that piece of it? Did it change her life in any way having it out there? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, I think it was honestly hard for her because there were, you know, many people in her life who didn't know that that had happened to her. I mean, when she told me, she'd only told me and my dad, like nobody, nobody knew. But I think the power of speaking the unspeakable is that it creates an opportunity for other people who've, who've experienced horrific acts or traumas to be able to start speaking their own pain and healing as a result of that. And then we start bringing those things out into the light, which is where all of the healing takes place. So I think it's, it's almost, it's been neat to see even the last couple of years, there's been kind of this cultural moment of, of speaking these things that have happened. And so that's been an encouragement to me to see it be less, less stigmatized as well. You had a beautiful quote from Maya Angelou. Do you remember? It was something like the, the, I think it was Maya Angelou where she said like something weighs on your soul when you keep it in as a secret or something, or the only act of, mm. you know what I'm talking about? I'll find it. No. I, I dogged it. I'll find it again. <laughs> no, Zibby totally butchered that. And, um, I have no idea what you're even talking about. All right, I'll, I'll find, I'll keep flipping. Okay. Well, I might not be able to find it right, right this second, but I'm getting there. In the book, you talk about your brother being really sick and the impact of that. And it happened twice, once when he was younger and nobody could figure out why. And then again, as he was, when he was older and he went through another season where you felt very helpless and luckily through some random drug that was a side effect or something, he was curious. Yeah. Tell me more about him and how that all affected you and how he is now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Gosh, yeah. It was pretty wild when he was in. So he was in a senior year of high school. I was in college. And there was a point where it got so bad that I got a phone call from my parents and they said, you're going to have to to come home to say goodbye and, and tell your teachers you're going to miss finals. And so, I mean, it was, he was basically starving to death. He, he had a, a, a virus that had caused his small intestine to just shut down. And so he actually couldn't eat or consume food and they couldn't figure out what was wrong or what was causing it. And it was one doctor who took an interest in his case and didn't give up on him. So many other doctors had kind of just shrugged and said, we don't know, maybe it's an emotional thing, tell him to eat kind of thing. And and my mom really, really fought and advocated for him through that. And so yeah, that one doctor who realized what was happening and found a drug that had a, it was like an antidepressant that had a side effect that it relaxed the small intestine, which I have no idea how they'd even figure out that that's a side <laughs> effect of something. I'm like, how would you know? But he gave it to him and a day later, a day later, Adam was out of the hospital and and on the healing journey. And so because of that, he graduated high school early, went overseas to the Middle East with my cousins, decided to go to college. He hadn't even planned to go to college before that. And so, I mean, it was like a dramatically shifted the course of his life. He ended up going on to become an aid worker. He went to grad school as an economist. He now works at the U.S. State Department running these, you know, massive USAID budgets. And it's just, it's, it's really incredible how something that really, yeah, something so, so painful and difficult was also kind of a, a launching off point for a lot of the best things in his life. Wow. Speaking of doctors, you go through the grisly broken arm, not even fractured. <laughs> I don't even know what you call it. I was literally like, ah, no oh, idea. I know. And I was so like, bad. she just looked at her arm and I never noticed anything about you her arm. Is see, it totally better? Can you see the oh scar? Oh my gosh. Yes. I can see. Yeah. It actually, it actually has like it's metal inside. So it kind of clicks. It's really, it's like a party trick. Oh my gosh. So you, and you kind of knew you were worried about snowboarding and then next thing you knew. I know. Isn't that wild? So I had been in, in Switzerland at this, at this big conference and the day after went snowboarding and going into it, I had not just a big conference. You were at Davos, which is amazing. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't know you could just buy a ticket to Davos, but anyway. Oh, you can't. No, you can't. All right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, as part of kind of the impact investing work that I I have been doing, I had the incredible like once in a lifetime opportunity to go. And I had said to my mom beforehand, I'm like, I I really do want to go snowboarding. I just, I'm afraid I'll fall and break my arm, which is like, I I don't think like that. I don't say things like that. It was so, so strange. And yeah, sure enough, it was a freak accident where I was going too fast and caught an edge and flipped in the air and landed just the right way. And so the radial head is this bone that sits in your elbow and it actually like exploded inside my arm. And so I had to fly back two, no, three trains, two flights. To New York, and I was mid moved to New York during that time. I, I, my room was at the top of a six floor walk up in oh. January, in the coldest winter New York had had in, you know, recent history, um, and I couldn't even wear like I couldn't wear long sleeves. I had to like drape things over my shoulders to try and stay warm. No central heat. I mean, it was that was a pretty tough season. But thank God for my surgeon and physical therapist because I wouldn't have made it otherwise. 
I did a podcast recently with a woman named Teresa Brown who wrote a book called Healing, all about the healthcare system and how she was a nurse who had had cancer. And in my podcast with her, I talked about that scene in your book because I was like, I know somebody and she had to like call all these doctors and she only had three days to save her arm and nobody would take her. (laughs) Totally. It makes you, it makes you realize how, you know, you, you don't think about the medical industry until, I mean, I don't think I've ever felt more vulnerable in my life because we got back. I I flew back, landed in the States, went straight to the ER, assuming they would just wheel me in and put me into surgery. And I, they go in, do all the CT scans and everything. And they're like, okay, well, you need to go find an orthopedic surgeon. Good luck. And, and the Swiss had said, do the surgery in the next three days or you'll have permanent long-term damage. And so to be in that, to have that feeling of no one will, no one will take me, no one will do this big surgery because it's so complex. Yeah. It was super scary, super scary trying to get, and I had California insurance that New York doctors wouldn't take. And it was, yeah. I was literally, I was just talking about how crazy it is when you have an emergency like that. And then you have to wait for like an MRI clearance, Uh, you know, I'm like, uh, who who is the one who's like, I'm just going to like scam the system by getting a, an MRI of my left, like, you know what I mean? Like my left ankle bone, like nobody's doing this. Just like approve, approve the things. Anyway, anyway, another thing you said, just remember your heart cannot dance if it's drowning. Oh, mm. I, I don't know. They're just, these things are sticking with me. Mm. Some, I feel like they should all be quotes. This whole thing about your entrepreneurial spirit. And then you write, which I appreciated. The curse of the entrepreneurial heart is that you will never be satisfied. Entrepreneurs are never content. That's what makes them entrepreneurial. The very restlessness that drives you forward will be the same angst that keeps you up at night. Entrepreneurship is both a fire igniting and a fire consuming. Oh, do you I remember feel like I needed this? to hear that. No, I don't remember writing that. Well, then you say, be aware of this, Ash, as you embark on new ventures. You'll be tempted to think that success, that the finish lines will relieve you of your angst. But the reality is for people like us, the journey is where the joy of work is worked out. That is the major myth. Is you think <laughs> you think this whole time, if I can just do this thing. If I can just hit that mark, if I can just achieve whatever that thing is, and then you do, and you realize that's not the thing that's going to, that's going to, you know, make you suddenly feel like you've arrived in some way. I, I actually have this philosophy about, about books and, and, and great books is that every, I think every non nonfiction book has to have a moral of the story. So you should be able to distill the big idea in a way that you can easily share with somebody else. And so I, I really, I, I think I wrote the first chapter and really sat with like, what is the, what is the message that I'm trying to share through this book? And I realized it's that the journey is the destination. Cause when I was a kid, I had this idea that one day I was going to hit, hit 35 and have arrived and like, suddenly my life would just be together and I'd be this fully formed adult. And then you just kind of, you're grown up and then you just go, you know, live your, live your life. And when I realized that, that we never actually arrive and that the the process is the destination, it kind of changes everything because you realize it's the how, not the what. 
yeah. And it shifts the way that we live day to day. It certainly has for me. Amazing. Okay. One more piece. I don't usually like go through all like, but I, there are just so many of these things. This is about going through a hard time. And actually when you were revealing everything that you were going through publicly, you, somebody said to you, you're going through an incredibly difficult time and it's okay to be honest about it. You don't have to pretend that everything is all right. And you said, I nodded lip quivering. No one had ever given me that permission, or maybe I'd never given it to myself. Quote, you will minister far more to the women in your section if you are real with them in your pain than if you pretend to have it all together. It was like, mm. underline, underline. <laughs> totally. Well, that's that's another myth is that we think that if we're, if we're composed and in control of our life, that that is going to allow us to have the greatest impact on people. And it's actually through our vulnerability and our weaknesses and our failures and the difficult points that actually you build real relationships and connection and like some of the most meaningful moments and even in friendships and family for me has been those really, really hard seasons and how people show up for you and vice versa. And then the last thing that I'm taking with me out of here as one of the many things is if it's not absolutely yes, then it's absolutely no. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) I'm like, that's an interesting (laughs) framework by which to live. Okay. Totally. Totally. I still say that when I get asked to do things, if it's not said the hell yes, it's it's hell no. And it just makes a much easier decision matrix because you realize there are certain things that you get asked to do and it's, you just light up and you're like, obviously, yes, of course I want to do that. And then the things that you wrestle with and are, you know, those are usually just a pass. But Zibi, I love this because I, I just read your book, I don't know, a month or so after it came out and I read it in one day and I felt like I, I listened to it on audiobook and I felt like I had just spent this like, a whole day deep diving with you on your life story. And I loved it. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I know you in all these deep, incredible ways and, and all of the wisdom from the, the grief that you've navigated and, and just all of the origin story of what you're doing now. And it was, it was just so beautiful to know you deeply. And so I love that. I, I know, feel like I've, we've almost I, had this like asynchronous friendship. <laughs> no, I should have read your book earlier. I feel terrible now. I'm like, I should have read no, this months ago. No. <laughs> but uh, no, I feel the same way. Anyway, I'm like sitting at all these like oh, love waves. It was really I nice. love it. Anyway, I love it. Okay, Copper Books. Quick, yeah. <laughs> tell everybody about oh my gosh, Copper Books. Yes. So while, so I actually published 22 while I was getting my MBA over at Oxford. So I was in business school. I made the ill-advised like life decision to try and do both of those at the same time to be in business school, a one-year program and do the, the book publishing process. But releasing the book and thinking about business and markets, it, it really had me asking a lot of questions about how books come to market, how authors reach readers. And it felt like a, I just felt a little overwhelmed by the whole process. And like, there wasn't a lot of transparency in it. And, and so then I, I started asking questions of, could there be a better way? And what would it look like for authors to reach read readers and for readers to build meaningful community around books? And how do we get more people reading more broadly? And I realized if you look at all of the social platforms that exist today, they all start by taking a creator and making them the star in some way. So Instagram 
was for photographers, TikTok was for dancers, Twitch was for gamers, Etsy was for crafters. And it felt like authors had gotten left out of the creator economy. And so I, in a long circuitous path, set out to build a platform to, to help them build an audience and reach an audience. The app released back in May. And so encourage everybody to, to download. You can just search Copper Books in the app store on iOS. And you can actually follow Zibby and see she does a bookshelf of all of the books and authors that she's interviewing for her podcast. You can find joint oh gosh, discussions, I to, I live events. I have to update that. I have to update yes, it. Okay, yes, I'll do yes. that today. <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. No, no, no. But it's, yeah, so there's a whole live events feature so you can meet authors. If you're an aspiring author, it's especially geared towards aspiring authors just starting out wanting to build community. You can share uh, track your reading. You can actually, we just released a feature where now when you hit finished on a book, it'll shoot confetti, which is my favorite part. So you can track what you're reading and share recommendations with, with your friends. And it's, it's really fun. I, I, I feel like I'm addicted to, to <laughs> the app at this point. It's so joyful to use. And I probably read five times as much now because I'm just so inspired by all of the incredible books and content out there. I'm just like voraciously reading as much as possible. So the irony is that it's an app that the goal is to get you off the app and into the book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you have any time to write these days? I feel like we need, I know you said you wanted to write another book at some point. I feel like you need to write another book very soon. I actually have started working on it. I just, I, yes, I just talked to a publisher who I think is interested in it. So we're going to start kind of taking the book out there in January, February. And yeah, I'm going to kick off the process again. I actually, I lead a writing retreat every year and, and was just doing some writing on the book last week. And so it's, it's been fun to this one. I feel like is I just kind of scratch the surface and it pours out of me because it's really the journey of building this company and the that kind of entrepreneurial mindset and and how do you build resiliency and overcome failures, setbacks, letdowns, and pursue that dream that just keeps you up at night, whatever that is in your life. And it's it's you know similar to twenty two. What I wish I had. This is this is going to be the book that I wish someone had handed to me when I was first incorporating a business. Well, you could just keep this going for a long time. What I wish I knew about the I know, I right? Wish I'd known about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway, totally. Okay, so everybody, check out Copper Books. It's in the App Store, and this beautiful book, Twenty Two, which has the most gorgeous cover. Oh my gosh! So anyway, that's my handwriting. Is it really? Yes. 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 Yeah. I, I, I asked them if we could use my handwriting and I was at the office. I took a colored pencil and I wrote 22 and sent them a picture of it just to show them that my handwriting was okay. And they just grabbed that and used it for the cover. So yeah. Totally gorgeous. Oh my gosh. All right. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks for coming on. Such a joy. I love seeing you. You too. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.